Hello and welcome to Digital Insights featuring topics from the BoagWorld.com blog. My name is Paul Boag and on this podcast I offer advice on user experience and digital transformation. Today I want to share with you an interview I did while I was in Iceland. We cover a range of subjects from my upcoming book to whether you need a degree to work in user experience. I hope you find it interesting. Who is Paul Boag and what, what do you do? Yeah, who am I? I have no idea anymore. Um, what do I do? I'm not much more sure about that. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm a user experience consultant. In fact, I prefer to call myself a user experience designer, but designer in the broadest sense of the word designer. So I started off um, as a user interface designer, like most people. Um, but over the years, I've realized that to create a great user experience, that goes a lot further than the edge of the screen. Um, and so increasingly now, I'm helping organizations restructure themselves and reorganize themselves to be more user-centric, more user-friendly. So it's a lot of training, a lot of education, a lot of working with senior management teams, mentorships, that kind of thing. Okay, interesting. Mm. And you had a yeah really interesting career. And uh, a few years ago, you you run a you run a web agency, mm -hmm. and um, now you 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 are a team of one, yeah. so to speak. Uh, how was that? How was that transition for you? And how what's the main difference of uh, working in an agency and now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that was that was very much a kind of a lifestyle choice, you know that. Um, I ran an agency with two other co-founders for 13 years. Um, I'm actually still uh, a, a non-executive director of that company, so I'm still involved with it quite a lot, but I'm not, they don't pay me anymore, which does, uh, hang on, that doesn't sound good when you say it out loud, does it? Um, but no, I'm still actively involved with them. Um, the decision really to go um, independent was about um, me wanting more flexibility in my lifestyle, more opportunities to travel and, and, and um, not having the responsibility of, of 13, 20, whatever it happens to be people um, behind us at the time. Um, in terms of differences, it's pros and cons like anything. It's great not to be um, tied to other people um, and to, to not have to worry about um, working at the same hours as them, I can work when I want. Um, it's nice um, to be not responsible for feeding a whole company's worth of staff when you've only got to feed yourself. So I've gone from you know, bringing 40, 50 grand in a month to just me, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a lot easier. Um, but there are downsides too. I really miss Chris and Marcus, the co-founders um, of the company. I miss their wisdom, I miss their them gently holding me back when I get overexcited about something, you know, and, and bringing a bit of pragmatism to it. So it, it's, it's, it swings around about. It's like anything, isn't it? Yeah, you gain some things, you lose others. Of course. Uh, the, the UX world is rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. and, and in your talk later today, uh, your, the, the topic of your talk is the user experience revolution. Yeah. Can you explain? In a, yeah. <laughs> not in a full lecture, but <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean by that? Okay. What are we expecting? So, what is happening is that design-led companies, user experience-led companies, outperform other companies over a period of about 10 years by about 228%. Mm -hmm. 
right? So th they tend to outperform considerably. And what's happening is companies realizing this, you know, that, that actually the way to success is to refocus on, on user experience, on design, on, you know, those kinds of disciplines. Um, so you've got companies like IBM that are trying to hire 12,000 designers at the moment. Um, General Electric are going through a user experience transformation project and is, uh, Disney are investing massively in it, although they always have to be fair to them. Um, so, so there's these big changes coming and, and yet there are many, many companies that don't get it, right? That don't understand it but they still have designers, UX people, digital people in their organizations. And these people feel isolated, they feel underappreciated um, and frustrated. Um, so the, the, the essence of the talk is, is, is saying, well, look, don't give up. You can actually have a positive impact on the direction of your company, no matter how big and, um, that company is and how lowly your job is. Yeah you can influence its direction, you can cause a revolution within the company. And this is, we've seen this happen in the past. So Google is a great example of that. Google um, was an engineering driven company, it still is to some degree. Um, so they're very technical and they, they had designers and UX people, but they were kind of spread across and isolated across the organization. And they were always the last to be told about anything. And, and you know, they weren't really that respected. But what they started to do is they started to talk to one another and they started to um, almost start an internal campaign to refocus the organization on user experience. And eventually they got management's attention. And so now we're seeing some really great design coming out of Google. So there's, it, it, that's the, the essence of what I'm getting about is how to bring about change within organizations. Okay. It's like a philosophy, uh, philosophy change. Yeah, uh, a philosophy, a cultural change, you know, and yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of what I've discovered over my career is that, you know, a lot of the people listening to this are probably hands-on designers, right? And what happens when you're working on user interfaces is you very quickly come across constraints, right? Oh, we can't do that because marketing want this. Or we can't do that because of this legacy system. Or we can't do that because we've got to comply with some legislation or whatever. Or we just don't do things this way here. And I got to the point in my career as a designer when I started to say, well, why? Why can't we do that? Why do marketing want it that way? Why are we stuck with this legacy IT system and so on and so on? So I started to challenge those things in a very gentle way. And it, that's where I began to realize that being a good designer is actually not just designing a, a product, it's designing an experience. And an experience is affected by everybody from marketing all the way through to procurement, all the way to, through to finance, managing directors, everybody. And, and we as designers need to introduce people to design thinking, those kind of you know, prototyping and experimentation and all of those kinds of things that we do as designer. And that actually can benefit the whole business, not just what we put on a screen. Yeah. Uh, and has this, uh, has this got all, all the way to the top? Are, are the managers now aware mm -hmm. where of the, the importance of user experience? I know you, you wrote a whole book about that, yeah, yeah. digital adaptation. I, yeah. And uh, do, you, do you sense that uh, this is changing with the younger generation or yeah. younger managers? There's, 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 obviously, it depends so much on sector, yeah. right? So if you're looking at 
you know, startups in the valley, of course, you know, they're, they're entirely design driven. They've got a lot of them have got um, designers sitting on the, the board. Um, but if you look at most other sectors, it's a kind of bit of a mixed bag. Um, some sectors are still lagging massively behind. Um, some are, are beginning to get it, but they kind of know it's important, but don't know how to do it. Or they try and imp uh, implement design thinking, but within the constraints of their existing worldview. I mean, the big one, for example, is, is organizations are departmentally siloed. So you have marketing here, you have IT here, you have you know, whoever else here. And actually, um, what, one of the, the big things about creating a great user experience is breaking down those silos. But that's a big change for many organizations, and they kind of struggle with that, that thinking. So yeah, some are getting it, some are not. But what is making the big difference, of course, is the arrival of millennials into the marketplace. Uh -huh. People like your students, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, because um, your students have grown up with all of this technology. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so they have expectations that yeah, yeah. they're going to go into companies and those companies are going to work a certain way. And although they're going in as junior members of staff, their kind of natural assumption that things will be different is beginning to kind of impact people and people are beginning to go more senior people are beginning to go oh maybe we're a bit out of touch here you know so actually the next generation yeah. will change it <laughs> this I, I will be completely redundant all this kind of my yeah. job of changing companies will be irrelevant in another 20 years <laughs> we'll see about that uh, my feeling is that when, when I when I think of Iceland in those those, those terms that to support this revolution, we need to have the know-how and the people with the, with the, yeah with the knowledge and and, and the, the the background, the education mm -hmm. to 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 support this revolution. Yeah. Um, how how important is that uh, that um, people have a degree in like uh, UX uh, UX? Do you know this is a really interesting? It's one of the most common questions that I get asked: uh -huh. is is do you need a degree to to get into the user experience? And, and the answer is no. Yeah. You don't, um, but, and this is, this is the really interesting thing. The, the, the most common thing I observe is, I mean, th learning technical skills, learning design, learning development, you can go onto the web and you can learn all that stuff for a fraction of the cost it costs to go to university. Don't worry, I'm going to say university is good in a minute. Just bear <laughs> with me. You know, those, those are kind of practical, easy skills you can learn anywhere. But, and this is the big thing, the biggest weakness I see in digital professionals is their ability to communicate and articulate why what they do is a good idea. And that, I think, is where university is really good. It encourages critical thinking. It encourages communication skills. It encourages that ability to justify why you have done what you have done. You know, I spend, I, you know, people pay me a lot of money to run workshops. I mean, you were at my workshop yesterday. Half the day we spent just talking about how to convince people, you know, that what we know is right and being allowed to do it. And, and that's, I think, one of the things university gives you is that ability to articulate that kind of stuff. Is, is there any particular area in, in the UX field that needs special care nurturing? Uh, you, you, you talk about pro prototyping, and mm -hmm. you talk a lot about user testing, user research. And yeah. Is there any particular field that has been left out or needs special yeah. care? Mm. There's loads of people talking about usability testing. Yeah, yeah. There's loads of people talking about interface design. There, the, the, my particular 
bugbear, the area that I think is particularly weak are, are the gaps, mm -hmm. right? So what I mean by that is the gaps in the user experience. Um, the places where customers or users kind of fall between things, right? And there's, there's kind of several different gaps, right? There's gaps between organizational departments, right? So marketing do a great job at getting you excited about the product, but then your aftercare service is shit, you know, and terrible. Um, so, and, and so customers kind of fall between the gaps of those two departments because those departments aren't talking to one another. So that's one type of gap. Another type of gap is um, gaps between platforms. So, you, you know, your website's great, but your social media is rubbish, or you don't really encourage people from social media to go to your website, from your website to social media, and it's kind of a junky, difficult system. Um, actually, I thought of another one as well. Um, the third one is gaps between devices. So you start off an interaction, say, on your iPhone, um, but then you want to go across to your website and that kind of thing. So, so you can have problems there as well. And then the final one is gaps between platforms, technological platforms. So um, systems that don't talk to one another, right? So I'll give you a great example um, of a good user experience. On my banking app, right, so you log into your banking app, right? Um, you're on your phone. Into, into the banking app and you look at your transactions and you see a transaction you think, oh, I don't remember paying for that. So what do you need to do? You need to talk to someone about it. So now I have to ring up, okay, wow, in my banking app there's a button I can press. I press the button and it automatically calls, but, and here's the clever bit, it validates me and authenticates me so the person on the other end knows who I am and I don't have to go through security again. Now that's a joined up experience. You know, see what I'm getting at. So those kind of gaps I, I'm interested in. Well, we mentioned, mentioned universities, and uh, I know you're a specialist in, in mm. like a higher education websites, mm -hmm. and, 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 and you have stated uh, and, uh, that uh, university sites are awful, in fact, terrible. Yes. In, how, how, how can you summarize that? What, what, what's the reason, I mean, reason behind that? Okay, there's two reasons. Yeah. Reason one is evolution, right? Part of the reason university websites are so bad is because you started before everybody else, right? Universities were some of the first organizations to have websites. And so they've added to them and added to them and added to them and they've evolved and this has been bolted on and that's been bolted on and they creak and they groan and they struggle. So that's part of the problem that then very rarely has anyone they do redesigns, but then they just migrate all the content across. All the old rubbish, right, comes across. So that's one thing. The other thing is universities very rarely start from the user's perspective, right? They don't start by saying, so what does a prospective student want to know from this site? Instead, they start from the perspective of what do we want to say to the world, right? And that immediately ends up with this kind of mentality of, um, quite a selfish, egocentric view of the world. Um, and, and often you, students go to a site and to find the bit of information they want, they have to pick through loads of sections. You know, they, you know they, they're a new student potentially going to university. They might have to go into the international section. They might have to look under finance. They might have to do this. You know, go over here for life in, in Reykjavik and over here to find this information. 
a lot of the time, again, it's the departmental problem that essentially the website has been siloed up. So student recruitment have their section, international department have their section, you know, finance have their section and users are forced to go from section to section, you know, so it, it's not ideal. Yeah. May I go back a few mm -hmm. years? Um, and that's one of my interests. My main field uh, until I went into the, specifically in, into consulting, was in web management. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been teaching web managers for quite a long, uh, quite a long time. Yeah. Um, you wrote a whole book about uh, yeah website yeah, owners yeah, manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great book. I, I use it use it in my my my, my, my courses. Um, since the publication of this book, have you seen the role of the web manager change? Mm -hmm. is, it is, is the web manager still this uh, GP, the generalist, or... Uh, uh, in, in, yeah. Have, you, mean, have I, you looked into that, or yeah. do, you, do you have a feeling? It varies from country to country. So my experience here has been very different from my experience in, in Britain. Uh, if I'm honest, I think that the, the role of the web manager over here is lagging behind where it would be in the UK. So in the UK, a web manager has now become basically a digital lead, right? So in most cases now, um, where once they were doing a little bit of everything, they were doing a bit of design, they were doing a front-end code, a little bit of the server-side code and all the rest of it. Now essentially, they are leaders, they are team leaders that they have specialists underneath them that work in different areas. So their skills are more now around managerial leadership skills, uh, to be honest, often navigating politics, liaising with other departments, getting cross-departmental collaboration, those kinds of leadership and strategy, writing strategy, putting in place governance, those kinds of things. So there's been quite a shift really in that role. Have you ever thought of updating the book? Uh, do you do a new version or, or is it not? Um, it's not fitting today? Or? Well, in some ways, all of my books build one on another. Um, so the website owner's manual was very much, you know, laying the groundwork of, yeah. of, of what's involved in running a website on a, on a daily basis. Digital adaptation builds on that and says, well, look, you know, it, it's no longer enough just to run a website. You need to allow digital to change your organization and how your organization works. User experience revolution said, is basically saying, well, digital adaptation is great, this idea of digitally transforming, integrating technology better into your organization, but why are we doing that? We're doing that because we're trying to build a better user experience. And okay, what are the step-by-step -step process? Digital adaptation was more theoretical. This one is more kind of step-by-step. -step. So really, in some ways, they kind of build one to another. It's continuity. Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, in, in your work as a consultant or strategist, you use many different channels, like communication tools. You, you, you blog, you use mm -hmm. podcasting, mm -hmm. you do videos, uh, of course you do a lot of speaking, yeah. interviews like this. Yeah. Um, have you found any of those uh, channels uh, the, the most effective or it depends, I guess? Or? They all build on one another. Yeah. Um, there's a great book um, by 37 Signals called yeah. Rework. I don't know whether you've yeah. read it. And one of the principles of rework is the fact that you can reuse things. And that's very much what I do with um, the content that I put out, the teaching and education, is I will, you know, something will, often things for me start as a tweet. I'll rant about something. I'm a great ranter, as you probably gathered. Um, and then 
loads of people will feedback stuff. And so that then turns into a blog post, mm -hmm. right? And the blog post is going around in my head. And then, then that comes out in the podcast in some way. Um, and then that, then that kind of matures, that thinking matures in my head. And maybe I do a talk on it. Um, and then, you know, more and more gets added into it and it grows almost like a snowball. We are building momentum as it rolls. Um, and then maybe it turns into a book and that inspires workshops and that kind of thing. So all of these channels build upon one another, really. Um, and also people, can, different people like different channels. You know, you can't listen to a podcast in an open plan office, you know, when you're not wearing headphones. But equally, you can't read a blog post while on a treadmill at the gym. Well, you can, but it's not easy. <laughs> uh, you must be really organised in your work, uh, managing to do all these different, uh, yeah. yeah, to do all this rework on on, on different channels. Yeah. Uh, um. Yes and no. I don't work long hours. No. Um, I'm not a believer in that because I'm lazy. Um, because I rework, it looks like it's a lot more than it actually is. Um, but yeah, I'm organised. I mean, I'm, I'm a great fan of getting things done by David Allen, um, which is a, a working methodology um, that suits me really well. Um, it doesn't suit everyone, but it does me. Um, I'm also, I'm inherently lazy, right? Which means I'm always looking for the shortest route to any solution. They say that about developers, don't they? That, you know, the best developers are the laziest developers because they write reusable code that they can use time and time again. So really, that's, that's what I'm always looking for. So blogging now, I have got, I can churn out a blog post incredibly quickly um, within a couple of hours um, because I have this process, boom, 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 that I go through, uh, which is good. Final question. Yeah. Uh, uh, from now on, because you have visited Iceland and um, yeah. Yeah, taken the time to, to come here, you, you have become an Islands Venus, a friend of Iceland. Okay, that's a fair enough. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. okay. I'm, and I'm all, Do I get a all people, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. and, and at least a batch. Okay, a batch. <laughs> uh, yeah, be. yeah. And uh, then you need to answer one critical question. Yeah. I sense ah. this is going to be a silly question. Yeah. yeah. How do you like Iceland? Oh, it's horrible. Thank terrible, you. terrible place. Mm. Now, truthfully, I mean, I've only seen a bit of Reykjavik. I haven't been here long and it's dark most of the time. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I've been desperate to come to Iceland for a long time, but I'm not counting this trip no, no. because I've literally been here a couple of days. I'm coming back with my family next year and we're going to get a motorhome and we're going to drive. We're going to get out of the city. I'm not a fan of cities. I'm going to get out of the city. I'm going to drive somewhere. The motorhome's going to break down. I'm going to freeze to death and someone's going to find my body two years later. That's the plan for next year. Great. Great talking to you. And, and <laughs> you. This, this end was not so great <laughs> for you, but, but it was great talking to you. Great talk. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Oh, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.